Hi, Calling family. This is Pastor Michael, and welcome to our church podcast. I'm so grateful for you tuning in today, and I believe today's message is going to strengthen your faith in Jesus. Great to be here with you. I'm going to have you stand up. Uh, we're going to make these declarations. We've been declaring these things uh, uh, over ourselves. We believe in the power of words. And here we go. I'm going to start, and you repeat after me. Say, I am a child of God. I am filled with faith. I am chosen. I am beloved. I am called. Refresh me. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many could use refreshment in the name of Jesus? You know, that's what the Lord does. He loves to revitalize people and refresh people and renew people. One of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is oil. And you know, your engine doesn't work right, all right, if, if it's, uh, in fact, on my car it tells me 0% oil, all right, and you can hear the gears not moving right and the gears not shifting right. Let me tell you, life will not shift right, faith will not shift right without the holy oil of the Holy Spirit. God wants to give you fresh oil so that life shifts its gears in the right direction. Somebody say amen. He wants to revitalize you and refresh you and renew you. And that's why I think being in God's presence together, whether on Sundays or at home, is so important. Because watch this, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. How many of you know when you enter into God's presence, you do not leave the same way you got there? Come on, somebody. God gives you a word. God gives you blessing. He speaks over your life. He refreshes us and renews us. So refresh me. All right, let's try one more time. That was my bad conductor here, all right? Refresh me with your word and light my path. Amen. You guys may be seated. Give the Lord a clap as you take a seat. Amen, amen. All right, let me go to my knees and I'm going to pray for the service today. All right, Father, we just thank you so very much. We honor you, Lord. And we don't take this as a light thing to be with you in your presence. We need you, like the song sang said we need you the world needs you our family needs you our mental health needs you our heart and our soul we need you God you make life worth everything and God we just want to be where you are and I just say thank you Jesus Savior healer for allowing us to come as we are thank you Lord that your scripture says let us now therefore let us now approach the throne of God's grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Thank you, Lord, because your presence is like no other. We pray you refresh people, speak to hearts, open eyes, break down barriers, uh, tend to the soil of our heart today, deposit your seed, grow us, Lord. We don't want to be the same. And I pray, Father, for anyone who maybe even I don't know if this is someone here today, maybe watching online. I just feel the Lord speaking to me. Maybe you haven't come to church. Maybe you're watching online, and it's been a long time. I don't know who you are, but I know the Lord is speaking to me right now, and I'm going to obey it. The Lord says, I'm so glad you're back. I love you, and I miss you. And he just wants you to feel uh, his, he wants you to feel his embrace. We thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord one more clap. So good. Isn't he so good? Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jeremy, for playing those keys so beautifully well. 
All right, so I'm excited to start a new series today. And uh, for the next four weeks, by the way, can you believe that we're in September? I mean, oh my goodness, I remember January. We're already, you know, two-thirds through the year already, almost in the third, or I think we're in the third quarter, almost going to, into the fourth quarter of the year, all right? How are y'all doing with your resolutions, by the way? Raise your hand if you're still on it. I didn't think so. All right. Anyway, all right. That's all good. That means you're human. All right. Amen. All right. All right. So I'm, I'm starting a new series and, and uh, starting today, September 10th. And by the way, little uh, segue or, you know, by the way, uh, September 11, we will never forget. God bless our country. God bless the families and the people who ran into harm's way to sacrifice themselves, the police and the firemen and 9-11 in New York City. Um, uh, some of the amazing stories have come out of that. In fact, I've heard of a, of a Catholic priest named Father Joe, who is a man of God, uh, and he was a, uh, uh, I believe he was a fire chaplain, ran into harm's way to be able to save people, all right? So never forget, we love our country, and we pray for the families uh, of, of those who have been impacted and affected by what had the tragic situation. I pray and by the way, I will never forget being raised in that time, the unity that America had from that experience. And my prayer is that uh, although I'm a man of God first and I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God first, my prayer is that America one day soon would be united for, for the benefit of our country. Somebody say amen. Give the Lord a clap. Amen. All right. Regardless of what our backgrounds are, regardless of what are, you know, what red or blue, whatever it is, I pray. Because unity, when unity happens, blessing happens. Somebody say amen. All right, blessing comes from unity. All right. Or, uh, yeah, so on that note. Um, we're starting a new series now for the next four weeks. And we're going to be done in October 1st. And I can't believe that we're in this season of, of the year. All right. Today my message series is called Uncomfortable. Can you say it with me? Uncomfortable. Here we go. Ready? Uncomfortable. All right. I believe over the next four weeks, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a sobering message and an educational message and also an inspiring message. And my style of preaching, and it's just never been my style. I've never been attracted to it myself. Is my, you know, I don't really preach fire and brimstone. I do believe in the word of God and I believe in the, that it's holy and that it's, that it's, it's uh, you know, a pastor should be very careful how we handle the word of God, all right? But I'm going to preach the scripture, and I'm going to preach to us in a way that ought to make us a little bit uncomfortable. Because watch this. What if the devil is not, what if the devil is not, you know, flashing or throwing fire and brimstone in your life? Maybe he doesn't need to do that to you, to, you, to scare you, to, to hurt you. But for many Christians today, there are a lot of cozy Christians, a lot of complacent Christians or comfortable Christians. And so the devil doesn't mind, you know, mind you being distracted by comfort so you don't get in the game and so that you don't run the race. And by the way, do you realize whether you, whether you realize it or not, you're in a race. Say race. 
You're in a marathon. You are in a marathon. You are in a race. Whether you believe it or not, it is scripture. And that race ultimately has an expiration date. And whether or not you complete that race, all right, there is a destination at the end of that journey. And that destination is either eternal life with God forever or eternal separation or damnation from God. So my objective of this, uh, uh, my assignment this morning is to help us get uncomfortable with being uh, uh, comfortable, with being uncomfortable, to pursue Christ with more passion, say passion, to pursue him with more passion and not treat God as an option. Come on, somebody. My goal this morning is to not treat God as an option, to not treat prayer as a last resort. We talked about this morning in my huddle, my team, that prayer, anything great that's going to happen with Jesus always begins with prayer, repentance, holiness, and godliness. Somebody say amen, all right? We want to pursue Christ with more passion, to go after Jesus with more urgency and desire, to have a reverence, say reverence, to have a reverence for holiness and godliness, to be hungry again and not have an appetite for the things of the world, but have an appetite for the things of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Somebody say amen. But watch this, a lot of comfortable Christians are not, do not have an appetite for righteousness or holiness or godliness. Why? Because the devil don't mind us being preoccupied with nothingness, with the things of this world. To be preoccupied, I don't know, with Justin Bieber, no offense, I don't know. To be preoccupied with things that really don't matter at all. Do you hear what I'm saying today? And watch this, to have a spirit, again, of conviction rather than a spirit of compromise when it comes to our faith. It is the pastor's role to comfort the afflicted, but also to afflict the comfortable. Come on, somebody, let me say that again. It is the pastor's role to comfort the afflicted, but also to afflict the comfortable. Do you remember what it was like when you found Jesus? Do you remember what it was like when he found you, helped you, healed you, touched your heart, renewed you? Do you remember that experience let me tell you, you don't ha- that doesn't have to be just a thing of the past. That can be a thing of today. Somebody say amen, hallelujah. God wants you to go further with him than you have ever gone before. God wants to have you, God, God desires you to have the audacity and to have the firmness to pray for someone and see them with authority become well in Jesus' name. God wants you to pray with authority. God wants you to walk with authority. Let me tell you, you've been given promises and inheritance and authority and the scripture and the word of God not to just be left on the bookshelf but to be wielded wielded and pursued to make a difference somebody say amen why when we hear reports of prayer of of cancer why do we shudder as if cancer is God why do we when we have issues in the family or hear bad reports in the world, why do we shudder before the world and the devil when, we are, when God is on our side? Somebody say, amen. My desire over this series for us to be hot again for Jesus, to have a passion for him and to burn bright with him. Do you know that one of the examples in Revelation, say Revelation, which is one of the hardest books to interpret, But one of the examples in the book of Revelation, he likens churches to lampstands, to lampstands. And why does he liken the analogy of a church to a lampstand? 
Because watch this, the church is supposed to be a light into the darkness of the community that says when you are facing sickness, that when there is confusion and pain out there, come receive and see the light of God and let it be a resplendent display of God's kingdom in our broken world today. Somebody say amen. And I'm saying that a lot because I want you to get fired up. I want you to have passion again. You know what? Not only more than me, Jesus does. Jesus wants you to have passion again. And he's telling us this morning he no, doesn't want to be an option, all right, or put back in the back pocket. He wants to be your first love again. Somebody say amen. You out there, all right? You know, I've been with my wife for, gosh, I think almost 14, 15 years now. And she is the most amazing blessing in my life. She really is. And um, I'm so grateful for her grace with me and her, her love for me. But I can tell that after the 10th year, you know, she was looking at me like, boy, you're getting comfortable with me. You know what I'm saying? When you're in a relationship and you just, you know, I'm not going to list out the things that people do in a relationship that get comfortable. But if you go, if, let me, I said this before. If you're going to the bathroom in front of each other, you are way too comfortable. Don't do that no more, all right? That's not you. That's not, no, I'm just kidding, all right? Don't do that, all right? Uh, uh, we don't do that. I just thought I would never cross that line, all right? Don't ever do that in front of me. She would never do that in front of me. But uh, 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 here's the thing. Don't you, I, I think when you've been married, especially for a long time, and you reach dec- a decade, how many have been lo- married longer than a decade here, by the way? Yeah, a lot of us. How many of you have been married more than two decades? Woo, a lot. Yeah. Okay, here we go. How many more than three decades, all right, or almost three? I think we have one almost three, all right? The others over here. Actually, let's give every, those people a clap. That is amazing, all right? How'd you do it? No, I'm just kidding, all right? But I think those people would agree with you that, agree that, that a relationship should not become stale, that love actually pursues, love persists in a good and gentle way. Love, uh, uh, you know, should be fresh. And I think the same is true for Christians today. And, all, and watch this. As I was praying in worship, and as I was worshiping, I really heard the Lord tell me, Michael, you're pastoring a church who one day is going to be so on fire for Jesus. I, I, I see world shakers and history makers. Come on, y'all. All right. God wants to revolutionize your life to take you into new heights like you've never known before, all right? So here's the deal. Christians are not ever meant or made for complacency. God wants us to understand that he never created us to be settlers, but pioneers. He never saved us to be common, but uncommon. He never intended our lives to be average or mediocre. Do you feel that way in your life? Why? This isn't your destiny. And by the way, to share my title, complacency is the enemy of your destiny. As a Christian, complacency is the enemy of your destiny. God chose us before he created the foundations of the world. That is a fact. Before he hung on the cross, before he made the mountains, before he made the ocean, you were a thought in God's heart. That is absolutely biblical, all right? You were not made to fit in with the world, but you were made to stand out. You were not made to be regular. You were called to be spectacular. You were not called to be just ordinary. You are called to be extraordinary. But we must beware of the spiritual disease of comfort. And by the way, God got ahead of me on this series because it's a little humid today. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? It's a little uncomfortable. But, all right, we're going to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
Comfort will stunt you. It'll stop you. It'll derail you. It'll stifle you. And it'll, it'll stop your Jesus potential. There are gifts right now sitting in these seats, spiritual gifts, gifts of prophecy, words of wisdom. There's gifts of teaching. There are gifts of, uh, of prayer that have not even been tapped. Why? Because they're sitting on the shelf. Why? Because God is waiting for you to step into them today. Who has the audacity? Who has the courage and the faith to become all God called you to be this morning? Somebody say amen. All right. And by the way, you know, I was, I was praying, doing a lot of spiritual praying and just praying in the Holy Spirit this week. God wants you to also understand as we talk about uncomfortable, why are we settling, with the pro- why are we settling for the problems that we have in our life? Why are we okay with the voices that keep putting us down? Why are we okay with the lies of the enemy? Why are we okay with saying, you know what, that person thinks this of me, then that's all I'm going to be. Why are we okay with that? You are made for more than that. Somebody say amen. And the Bible is saying, why don't you use your faith and tell the devil who he is and tell him why you're at it, who God says you are. Somebody say amen. All right. God has great potential for us in our life. But watch this. Comfort will compromise and jeopardize your eternal destiny. Do you know that heaven is rooting for you? Heaven is rooting for us, cheering you on. In fact, angels have been assigned to you. There's a grace that's been given to you to rise up and become everything that God has called you to be. And one of the themes of the Bible, especially the New Testament, all right, especially with Paul the Apostle and Timothy and Titus and Jude, there is an emphasis in the Bible called eschatology. And eschatology is the study of last things, or it is, the, it is the study of the end of times. And I grew up with that notion, you know, get ready. And I'm, I'm like seven years old. I'm like, no, I, I want to live my life, you know. I'm being honest with you. Like, I'm 10, you know, I'm, don't say that, preacher. You know, I want to do, I want to play baseball, and I want to get married one day. And, you know, but as I've become a man, to be honest with you, and I've seen the world, and I've watched the news, and I see the church, I'm thinking, man, we are in it, y'all. We are in the last times, all right? And I don't want that to discourage you, but rather I want, that, want this to encourage you. What if, honestly, maybe not, but what if we are, because watch this, no one knows the hour, no one knows the day in which Jesus will come, all right? But watch this, how cool would it be in an encouraging way to be the last ones on this planet to make an impact for Jesus Christ, taking everyone we can to heaven with us. Come on, somebody. What if the calling church is created to do that? You know, rather, because it can be discouraging, honestly. Honestly, when I see people get more excited about Beyonce than Jesus, I'm like, oh, Lord, who's God here? What? Come on. Or Metallica or I don't know. I saw people get excited about Metallica. I like Metallica. That's, forgive me. I'm still walking it out, y'all. Still walking it out. All right. But but the reason I brought Metallica because they had the most sold out concerts than Taylor Swift or whatever. But watch this. What if, what if God is raising up his churches? Some are falling apart. Some are going into the dismal abyss. Why? Because their teaching is heretical and it's gone astray and it conforms to culture and it does not conform to Christ. But what if we're the church today that God says, you stand your ground. You stay in that foxhole. You fight until I come back and you take as many lives with you 
as possible and make a difference and show people that love is real and that the gospel is here and that I'm alive and I'm still desiring to do great works in the world today, in the SGV. Come on, y'all. That's how I want to go out. Come on, y'all. You know, I share a lot about my dad and the healing that's been taking place in my life. My dad died at 40 years old, <laughs> too young, too young. My dad, you know, I share all the time. He had a past, and he didn't teach me much, to be honest with you. He was in and out all the time of jail and drugs and gangs. But I will never forget how my daddy went out. My dad, with stage four cancer, would never miss a beat to church. He knew time was ticking, and he knew that he was going to meet his maker. And one thing that I gathered from him is that he used the stubbornness of drugs and gangs. He turned it around for the glory of God and holiness and godliness. Didn't touch a drug no more. Even at stage four cancer, he took the foothill transit to church every single Sunday. Until his last Sunday, he couldn't make it because he knew that he was going to go to heaven, and that's what it had happened. I don't know about you, but I want to live up to my potential. I don't know about you, but I want to encourage people to live up to their potential and not settle and have an appetite for the things that are all going to be destroyed anyway in the name of Jesus. I like what Paul says, to strive for the things that are not seen, but strive for the things that are unseen, like endurance and perseverance and agape love and faith. Come on, y'all. Anybody out there today hearing me? Christians are not meant for complacency. And let me tell you, comfortability is just an illusion. Comfortability is overrated. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If there was a lazy boy and just a hard chair, I'd go after the lazy boy. I mean, I would, right? Comfort is something that we all desire in our human skin, in our human flesh. We all want to be comfortable. And don't get me wrong, there are seasons that are, are good for it. But watch this, we have to be careful because it could be a nightmare for us. You know, you often heard that the devil is not messing around with anybody who's not making a difference, all right? But comfortability is overrated and it's an illusion and it's a lie because watch this, it truly is. If, if you want anything great and worthwhile in your life, if you want a great marriage, if you want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I don't know, all right? If you, want, if you want to aspire, get a promotion, if you want to buy a house, it means that you, if you want to, ha if you want to have kids, come on, somebody, give me a hallelujah back at me. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to make you uncomfortable. By the way, I was, in my message prep, I was thinking about this season where I had no kids. Karina and I talked. We watched TV together. We could hear our own thoughts. We went shopping, we went on vacation, we really wanted kids. Now you got to pray for our brother and sister in Jesus' name, all right? It's crazy. It's a blessing. But those are the blessings we pray for. Come on, somebody. But it's, me, it's made us be a little bit uncomfortable. I've never slept the same. Do you know what I'm saying? All right? How many of you don't have any children? We're going to pray for that brother, that sister, in Jesus' name, all right? Get ready, all right? It's going to be the best thing that happened to you. But comfortability is overrated. And let me tell you, whether you make the choice to get uncomfortable and mature and persevere and endure and grow, whether you actively make that decision, life has a way making it for you. Whether you choose it or not, it is inevitable. Say inevitable. It, it, being uncomfortable is inevitable because there are tragedies that might happen to you. There are things, life is not fair. You might get demoted. You might get promoted or not ready for it. You might, God, you might, your income might be slashed. Life has a way of making you uncomfortable. So why, might as well choose 
it actively and grow. Somebody say amen. It's going to happen. And I'm not trying to scare you, but it just will. It just will happen to you. And God is saying, why not get uncomfortable for me? Don't get uncomfortable for just for the promotion. Don't get uncomfortable just to date Jose and, you know, you're a, little, you're a little freaked out by it. Don't get uncomfortable by this. Get uncomfortable with me, and see, with me and see what I will do with you. Somebody say amen. Comfortability is overrated and it is an illusion, all right? But let's go to the text. Look what Luke chapter 21, verse 34 through 36 says and the New International Version. Look it. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And the very first thing he says, I think we have it up there on the screen. Watch. He says, be careful. Be careful. All right. Be careful or your hearts, say hearts, will be weighed down. Now this is the thing. Right now what we're going to talk about is the thing that makes most Christians turn away from God. They get hot for a bit, then they get cold. You know, I like my coffee. How many like hot coffee? All right. How many like cold coffee? How many you like, you like both? All right. When I have my hot coffee, it needs to be hot. If I'm having my cold coffee, it needs to be cold. I don't want no in-between. You know what I'm saying? All right? And if I, and I find it's in the morning, I might have an attitude if I don't have it. How many of you are like me, right? Don't, don't, don't talk to me unless I have my coffee. All right? You want work done? Let me have the coffee. You know what I'm saying? All right? But watch this. When I left, leave my coffee out in the, in, the, in the open, you know, eventually the climate, the exterior climate is going to get to it, take away its heat, and make it cold. And that's not the, I don't want that kind of cold coffee, you know what I'm saying? And I think this is for many Christians today, is like the coffee cup, we've allowed the coldness of the world to seep into the coffee and change the, the, the scenario of our heart toward Jesus. Now look what he says. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and watch this, and the anxieties of life. In the Greek, it's called care or concern in the Greek. The cares or the concerns of life. And that day, now what Jesus is talking about is eschatology. In this chapter, Luke 21, the disciples are asking about when will that day happen? When will that day come? What is it going to be like? They're interested and Jesus gives them some, gives them almost detail by detail of things, how it's going to happen. He doesn't give them when it's going, when it precisely is going to happen. And by the way, always beware, always beware of a pastor, of a ministry, of a TV network, whatever, that says Jesus is coming this day, this hour, like the Mayan calendar, you know what I'm saying? Beware, because watch this, it's not Bible. It's not Bible. No one knows the day, all right? And there's a point to that. Now watch. And the anxiety of life, and that day, say that day, will close on you suddenly like a trap. How scary. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Everybody, even Beyonce. Be always on the watch. And see, watch this. Be always, now this is the part where, where we be proactive. Be always on the watch and pray that, uh, pray that you may be able to escape all that is to happen and that you may be able to stand, watch this now, before the Son of Man. Let this sink in for a moment. To me, what is very sobering is that you and I will one day have to stand before God. Think about that. All holy, majestic, powerful, mighty, redeeming God. 
you and I will have to stand before God. Some will not be able, the Bible says, to stand the judgment because they didn't choose him. But you and I are going to have to give account for what we did in this life with Jesus. One of the most scary and sobering things that Bible school taught me, I got a degree at Life Bible, super prepared me for ministry. But one of the things that my Romans teacher said to us was like, whoa, and it never left me. He said, class, you have been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a responsibility because one day you will stand before God. You have been given the truths of the Bible, of Scripture. You've been given a, a, a commission. Now you have the obligation now to spread the good news. Now what are you going to do about it? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? We have an obligation to be faithful to God. And we want to stand before God and say, God, thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for always being there for me. Thank you for always hearing me. Thank you for never, even on my worst day, never thinking the worst of me. And because of it, God, I went out there and gave everything I got to you. Not because I had to, but because I love you, I did it. But because I know there's hurting people out there and broken people out there who are once like me. And look, God, now they're here too. Come on, somebody, you out there. Look what it says in Luke chapter 21 in the uh, Passion Translation. Be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold. And be careful that you are not caught off guard. You see that? Or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. Now watch this. Say trap. Say it louder. Say trap. You know, a trap is for someone that doesn't expect it. A trap happens to things that doesn't expect it to be there. They're caught up in it, didn't expect it. They were unaware of it, and now they're stuck in it. But watch for the Christian. Watch for the Christian. For the Christian, there, for the Christian that is not cozy, for the Christian that is not compromising, the Christian that lives for conviction, and the Christian that lives for Jesus and has passion, there will be no trap because you are prepared and you are ready so you will not be caught with those who weren't expecting his return. Come on, someone. Come on. I told you it was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> All right. You know, this is a very good litmus test for a Christian. Are you excited and, and happy for Jesus' return? And I don't think you, biblically speaking, can be a Christian if you don't believe that he's coming back. I mean, don't you want him back? Look at this world. Look at the hurting. Look at the broken. Look what's going out there in the world, the rumors of wars and the politics. I mean, we need Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with my father. I want to see the saints of old. I want to be in paradise with him. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I like In-N-Out, you know what I'm saying? That's good. You know, I like Chick-fil-A, but I, would, I can't imagine the food up there. Come on, somebody. Can you imagine the food up there? Now, I believe there is food. I can prove it with Scripture. I'm praying. I believe it, there is, all right? You know, imagine there's some tacos up there. Come on, y'all. All right? Now we go. And they speak Spanish? No, I'm just kidding. All right? I wouldn't know what they're saying, you know. <laughs> uh, where was I getting at? This is a good litmus test. <clears throat> Are you excited? For him to come? Are you worried for when he comes? If you're worried and if you're scared, it means to be straight up honest with you. It means your walk could be better. Watch this. Because people who live in faith 
and expectancy don't need to be scared. They don't need to be scared because we welcome the return of Christ who is our salvation. And true life, which is in Christ, will be manifest whole with him forever. But the people who are scared, it means that we need to draw closer to him, get to know the word, and not be afraid. Because our our king comes back not to harm us, but to ransom us, to rescue us, to redeem us, and give us our heavenly eternal inheritance. Somebody say amen. All right. And watch this. We need to be prepared. Say prepared. We need to be ready. Say ready. If we're not ready, then there's a problem. Are your bags packed? You know, when I go on vacation, say a prayer for me because my wife packs everything. I'm like, woman, I'm I'm like, you know, walking like this because she can't. We get in fights over it. Don't pack more than one suitcase. All right. Still working on it. Come on, somebody. All right. And, uh, um. When we, you know, our, it reminds me, when we go on vacation, our bags are packed. We're ready to go. We, we prepared. The Christian should not have their bags unpacked. The Christian should not be comfortable in this world. I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't live the American dream or strive after, after it, take care of your family, earn a living. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you're ready and that you're going to make a difference and that you're prepared to stand before God and give an account to him. Come on, somebody, you out there, all right? So Christians, we need to be ready, not cozy. We need to be ready. We need to be expectant, all right? But here's another thing that I think God wants us to be uncomfortable with, and I say this with grace and light, because we all have these struggles, and we all have a struggle in our life. One of the ways that we can be comfortable with this world is that we get comfortable with sin, and I think the church today don't talk enough about sin. My father-in-law tells me all the time, that's all they talked about before. And it was like, not cool. Your swimming was a sin. The beach was a sin. Everything was a sin. Now we're on the other side. Nothing's a sin. Do whatever you want. Try it. Get dr- do drugs. You know, you want to be with multiple partners, go do it. And then, you, you know, there's ramifications of our choices. But watch this. We need as a church to get uncomfortable with our sin. And we need to pursue Christ who is holy and dwells in holiness and resplendent life. And if we ever want to do great things and become all we're called to be, we need to get uncomfortable with sin. And I'm talking about having a bad mouth all the way down to pornography, all the way to, 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 to be having, being angry and doing things out of anger. We need to be uncomfortable with sin. We need to go before the Lord with weeping and sorrow for our sin. We need to love him more than we, we would need to feed our faith more than we need to feed our flesh. And this is how good Jesus is. This is how good Jesus is. He died on the cross for you and took your judgment. And forever, if you love him and believe in him, you are never going to be judged because he is your atonement. And through that atonement, he wants you to find grace and step out of your flesh and be led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. He knows we struggle, and that's why he came. And I love this church because we bring our struggles together and we grow together, we confess to a trusted brother and sister and say, this is what I'm struggling with. And then that brother goes, you know what, I've been there too, but we are, we are on our way to freedom. Somebody say amen. Sin is destructive to us and those around us. Sin will not only destroy you, it'll warp your mind, it'll warp your heart, it will destroy your children. If they see you act out that sin, that sin and that habit can get transferred to them. And now it becomes a family stronghold and a family bondage. 
all right? But the Jesus I serve came to die on Calvary to set people free. Come on, y'all. So why settle? Why settle? So what I mean for us to be uncomfortable with sin, it means to grieve it. To grieve it. And not do this alone. Like my wife said, you cannot do Christianity alone. I am convinced you cannot do it alone. It was made for community. But how do we burn for Jesus? How do we get hot for Jesus? The first one is this. Remember your first love. Remember what he's done for you. You know, it's hard to tell someone, be devoted. It's like telling your wife, be devoted to me. You know, love me with all you got. (laughs) That's never worked for me, all right? But what's worked for me is to keep the relationship fresh, to serve my wife, to go out of my way for her, to be kind to her, to be gentle to her. By yielding to the Spirit is how you will be burned for Jesus. Remember what he's done for you and be thankful. Trust him and realize that he's done so much for you. And watch this. The Spirit uh, does so much for you. You know, when you accept Christ, this is why the Holy Spirit's a gift. Because the Spirit is a gift that keeps on giving. It's like a river that never runs dry. The Holy Spirit, He's going to give you words of affirmation. He's going to tell you whose you are. He's going to tell you who you are. He's going to tell you who you belong to. He's going to tell you that you are so loved that you don't need to steep yourself into sin. That you don't need to go with that group of people. All right? But it means yielding. And watch this. Also, repentance is a huge word. Repentance. Repentance is an ongoing thing. It's not just a one and done. Come on, y'all. Repentance is not just a one and done. I gave my life, that's it, I'm done. Absolutely not. Repentance is every season of my life, every, every, every decade, every, every year, every whatever it takes, I'm going to repent before the Lord and humble myself before Almighty God because one day I'm going to stand before a, justified, a just, loving, holy, amazing, majestic God. And I want to make sure that when I stand before him, I gave my all and I did my best to be right. Come on, y'all. And I'm going to end with this. <clears throat> the last thing, you know, how do you be hot? You know, water boils. I think about my wife when I think about boiling water because she makes pasta all the time. She's half Italian, so we have all the rigatoni and all the onis at our house. Water, water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. It's boiling. But you know what? 211 degrees, it's just warm. It's just warm. And Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, you're not either cold or nor you're hot. You're just lukewarm. I wish you that you were one or the other so I could spit you out. But look, what, look, here's the thing. The difference between 211 and 212 degrees from warm water to boiling water is just one degree. Just one degree. What if every morning and every day, what if for the rest of the year, I'm going to challenge someone now, those watching, those in the church, for the rest of your year, what if you, got, what if you just gave God one degree more just one degree more take the bible off the shelf why don't don't treat church as an option don't treat god as an option just give god one degree more just give him one degree more because that's the difference between warm and hot that's the difference between complacency perhaps passion for jesus can i have a a look what actually dl moody says great mover and shaker 
and pastor. He says this, our heavenly father, it's a prayer from him, for, from him in his time. He says, our heavenly father, we pray you, we pray to you, forgive our lack of enthusiasm. We pray you to forgive us of our coldness. We pray you to forgive us for loving you so little and serving you so poorly. Oh God, help us to reconsecrate ourselves to you and your, and your service. May the spirit that came upon Gideon, the spirit that came upon Joshua, the spirit that came upon Elisha, and the Holy Spirit that came down at Pentecost, may it come upon here at the Calling Church. Oh, Spirit of the living God, fall upon us here. Oh, Spirit of the living God, we're not okay with being static. Spirit of the living God, we're not okay with the family drama. Spirit of the living God, I'm not okay with the problems of the past. Spirit of the living God, I'm not okay with just settling. I want to be a pioneer for you in my generation. Come upon us. Spirit of the living God, fall upon us here. And may our hearts be all on fire for you. And may we be willing to lay aside our dignity and position and standing and go forth into the vineyard and work for you. Spirit of God, come upon us and give us power to work for Christ. Don't you notice that sometimes you feel so empty in life, devoid. You're praying, but there's nothing behind the prayer. Even me, there's been, maybe, you're, maybe you're, you're talking to someone, there's nothing, there's no juice behind it. Maybe you're, 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 you want God to move, but there's nothing behind it. That's because there's no spirit behind it. That's because there's no anointing on it. And if God is ever going to do something through his church, it requires the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that when we speak, there's power that moves forth to that person's heart, to a community soul. Somebody say, amen. We can't do anything without his anointing. Power to preach the gospel. Power to tell the story of the cross. We ask it in the name of your beloved son. Amen. Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment? Now I'm going to offer this time, honestly, and this includes me. Can I just, is there anyone here, honestly, we're having an authentic moment with God. No one's watching and at home, you're online with us. This includes you. But if you feel dry, if you feel you're on old yesterday's oil and that's gone, and you need the anointing and you need the refilling and refueling of the spirit and you want to repent before God and you want to go further in your faith. You don't want to remain in the dry, barren desert of doubt and darkness. I just want to pray for you. And I, I just want, I want, as a sign of obedience and courage, in a way no one's watching, I just want you to raise your hand. If that's you, I want to pray right now. That you just raise your hand. You don't want to be in this dry, barren spot no more this dark that's you I want the anointing of Christ on my family amen I see hands I want the anointing of God in my work I want the anointing of God in my faith I want the anointing of God in my praying in my life amen so good father I just thank you so much for your spirit who you you have poured out afresh at the day of Pentecost God we ask that right now you pour out your spirit I ask that you touch the lives. We ask to be infilled with your presence. We pray, Father, that you would take us from the mundane and the static to the extraordinary. We don't want to settle for mediocre. We don't want to be average. We want the spectacular things of you. God, we're praying for our family. We're praying for the past hurts. 
We're praying for the sins, the struggles that we sin, uh, the struggles that we have with sin, that we pray, Father, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to give us breakthrough in the areas of our family, in the areas of our struggle, breakthrough and a healing in our body, breakthrough for believing for greater things and grander things in our life, in our faith. We give ourselves to you, God. We don't have an appetite for the things of the world. We have an appetite for you. God, make us indifferent to the culture, to society, the things that are out there that one day will pass away, that may turn, turn our hearts to you. We want more of you and less of what's out there and less of, uh, of our flesh. We want more of you. We're hungry. As the deer panteth for the streams of water, so our soul pants for the living God. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. All right, one more thing before I go. <clears throat> uh, actually, I'm going to have you just still in a moment of intimacy. Can I have every head bowed? Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe, here, uh, maybe you've been here for a second time. Maybe you've never heard preaching like this before. Maybe you've never known Christ and had a personal relationship. Maybe you're watching online right now and you've never met Jesus. You know about him. Maybe your grandma knows him. Maybe your uncle was a Baptist preacher. But the question is about you. Do you know Jesus? I'm not asking if you have jewelry or crosses or tattoos. I'm asking if you know Jesus in your heart because one day you will stand before God and we will have to give account for our life. And the Bible says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the thing is that Jesus took the penalty of sin on the cross. And the only way to have a right relationship with Christ is to have the removal of sin. Sin distracts and disrupts our relationship with God for to hear him, to walk with him, to pursue him. But God sent uh, his, his son as a precious lamb to take our sins to the cross and die for us in our place. He has mercy for you, forgiveness for you. I don't have to preach at you. I don't have to look into your history. You know right now if you're right with God. And here's the deal. Do not wait. Do not wait to give your life to Christ. Tomorrow is never promised that nobody give your life to him today. Today's the day. You're the person and God desires to make the change and transformation. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with no one watching online in person. If that's you online, connect with your host. I want to give my life to Jesus. But if you're here in person, I'm not going to put a mic in your face. I'm not going to, you know, you know, embarrass you. You're going to stay right where you're at. You're going to raise your hand. We're going to, pr we're going to all pray together. We want you to come to a family of faith. You cannot do this alone. We are brothers and sisters. So here we go. I know I need Christ. I know I need my sins forgiven because I want to be sure that I will be in heaven with him and I can stand more confidently before him. So here we go. I want to give my life to Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, I want to give my life to Christ. Just raise your hand. No one's watching. Just pastor. Amen. Amen. I want to give my life to Jesus. Powerful. So, so good. Awesome. 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 We love you. Online connect with your hosts. Awesome. Lift up your heads. Open up your eyes. Give the Lord a clap. So amazing. So good. So powerful. I'm going to have you guys stand to your feet with me. All right. Before we end our service, can you repeat this prayer after me online in person? Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins.
I believe I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. I repent of my sins. Lord, come into my heart. Take the keys to the doors of my life. I let you in and I want to live for you all the days of my life. I trust you and I want to walk with you and I will not look back. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Come on, give the Lord another clap. So powerful. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Our mission as a church is choosing Jesus, chasing freedom, discovering our gifts, and serving Jesus. I have a question for you. What is your next step with Christ? Take your next step today by visiting thecallingla.com. If today's message touched you, we'd love to partner with you in sharing the hope and the message of Christ. So visit thecallingla.com slash give.